Welcome to Licking Non-Vanilla, a sex-positive hour of talk about kink, sexual mores, and writing dirty words. So grab a cup of cocoa, your favorite easy chair, and lube as we go sailing into the dark, sweet waters of all things naughty. On Licking Non-Vanilla, with your hosts, Ralph Greco Jr. and M. Christian. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Licking Non-Vanilla with me, your host. Well, one of your hosts with the most. <laughs> Ralph Greco Jr. Across the aisle from me is... Chris, other words known as M. Christian. And uh, we've been talking about the weather here. It's been uh, snowing on the East Coast. Chris, you're getting a little rain still, or what do you got over there? It's got? cold and rainy, but we haven't got snow. At least um, we haven't got it here in Eugene. I know Portland okay. got it. So, and they're having problems with it as well because it's not as bad as what's happening with you guys. And, you know, heaven forgive the poor people in Texas, but it's still kind of affecting yeah. area up there. Yeah. Now, to the listeners, uh, don't not uh, get in your van and go to Eugene looking for Chris because uh, he, he, he's got way too many fans as it is. He doesn't need that. He doesn't need uh, people coming to his door like always. And he can't even uh, he can't even walk on the street anymore. It's, that's how bad it is. So just that's give the guy it. a You're too same, Ralph. It's like you got to, you know, all those all those fans are like, you know, you know, blocking the driveway and, yeah. you know, taking just parking give places. give the guy a break. <laughs> give the guy a break, really. It's just, just not fair on, on any level. Um, and, you know, once again, when we got into the show, we're using a new interface, uh, which is wonderful because now I can see Chris when we do the show and we're hearing each other well. And when we shout out to any guests who want to come on, we're going to be able to really do it up right now and uh, be able to see you if you want us to see you and the whole thing. But anyway, um, before the show starts, though, there's a countdown and big numbers come up on the screen. And every single time Chris and I start laughing because it reminds us of uh, actually, Chris, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of UFO more than Thunderbirds. Remember, did, yeah, did, did I mean, UFO had the numbers, the Gary Anderson? Mm-hmm. And Chris and I are going, we're, ge- we're geeking out on you here, but this is a, we're going back to, was it Gary or Jerry Anderson? Uh, I think that it made was those shows? Gary. Gary and Sylvia Anderson. Sylvia um, I'm Anderson, embarrassed right. because I should know this because I was a huge fan of the show growing up. It was one of my yeah, all time favorite shows, that with the Avengers, the one with Emma Peel and John Steed. Um, but right. yeah, that's what I keep thinking of is, is that five, four, three. But Redo, yeah, you know, right. the, the, the shows around that period had some great openings. I mean, UFO was a great example, too. I mean, that was yeah, a fantastic yeah. one. And I remember the, the Prisoner had a great opening. Remember the Prisoner's opening? Oh, God, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so Chris oh, and I, are, yes. what we're doing, we're really geeking out on what was British television of the 60s. And so uh, ITV and BBC, mm-hmm. there were some really imaginative fantasy shows. They were either science fiction based or gothic horror based or just mm-hmm. just bizarre it actually thunderbirds was marionettes so was supercar right yes yep yeah, exactly which, and so it was yeah supercar and uh fireball xl5 and right joe 90 and because right ufo and space 99 were all live people but they used live models people. you know so crazy just crazy stuff so you ever ever get a chance to youtube this stuff that we're talking about it is a lot of fun, especially if you're a science fiction geek. Also, what's fun about UFO, I was watching UFO recently on Amazon, and the, the the costumes on the girls are fantastic. I mean, you want to talk about 
sexualizing the girls. It's just fantastic. Mm -hmm. These little short skirts and these purple wigs, and it's just it's mesh shirts for the men. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. completely over the top. It's it's really a lot of fun. Really, there's always was always an edge of of more. I think British television they got away with a lot more sexuality than we ever did on regular television. Right? Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean um. And it's funny because Sylvia Anderson actually record uh, um, did all the fashions. And I remember reading somewhere oh, that you know because people are saying why why do the women you know the the female um, officers on the moon you know are wearing wigs and it wasn't because of any right. outre reason like it was some kind of like you know thing to do with about being up there it was because that she thought right. that wigs would be so common that people would just wear them and it just kind of worked out that way. But yeah, the Brits <laughs> it's weird because the Brits are usually fairly conservative, but They've also done some more outrageous stuff. I mean, my favorite example is the A Touch of Brimstone from the Avengers, where Emma this Peel is, is dressed is, as the Queen of Sin. And this is, this that is one great. was I'm actually Chris, banned in the U.S. This is a great <laughs> example, because I didn't know about this example. Now, anybody who's a oh. fan of, of the Avengers, and Emma Peel with, with, you know, she's in like a, she's in like a black leather... Uh, most of the time, a, a bodysuit, right? I mean, that's what she's wearing. Most of the time. She's wearing a corset, leggings. No, but and boots I'm not. And a I'm talking collar. about regularly. Oh, I mean, yeah, regularly. Yeah, regularly, she wears she's, like a cat suit. Right, and she's cat suit, and she's body chopping. She's karate chopping. But this episode mm -hmm. that Chris speaks about, and he told me about it when we were away in Vegas. But I saw it, and Chris, just tell, just, just give. We talked about it before, but give a little, give a little bit about that episode because it is out of hand. It's crazy. Well, it's funny because, I mean, it was part of the black and white years of the Avengers. And believe me, I'm such a geek around the Avengers. I, I pretty much have it memorized. But it's called A Touch of Brimstone. And it starred uh, Jason Windergard, Peter Windergard. Um, and it's basically about a bunch of, you know, like typical Avengers episodes. It's an eccentric group of people. In this case, they're recreating the Hellfire Club, which is something mm -hmm. that existed, I think, in the, around the 1700s. And I actually know more about it than I remember. But if you're interested, the Hellfire right. Club is really fascinating to research. It was actually called the Amorous Knights of Wycombe and was run by, you know, um, Lord Dashwood. But anyway, long story short, um, yeah, so they infiltrate this group. And at one point, Emma makes appearance as the Queen of Sin, which is wearing this black corset, again, black boots, leggings, and a spike collar. And it was funny because people said, oh, my God, this is, you know, so far. But she actually designed the outfit. And Did she really? It, That's Yeah, fantastic. exactly. And <laughs> it actually was banned in the U.S. for a number of years. And I thought it was kind of funny because the Brits are usually kind of seen as being fairly conservative around these kind of things, especially around that, that time period. But it was actually mm -hmm. banned in the U.S. and not there. And you can still find it. In fact, if you just type a YouTube search for Queen of Sin, the Avengers, I'm sure it'll pop right up. <laughs> but... What I saw, there's whips in this episode, right? Like, the, yep. the, she's yep. fighting with the guy. And he's like whipping her at one point. It's it's out of hand. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's 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 really outrageous. Like Carol Cleveland is in it, who's one of one of the unofficial pythons. And is she really? She must be really yeah. young. In oh yeah. If you, if you check it out, you can see her. Look. She's in there. I think it was a, several a couple of years before the the python. So I'm not too sure exactly right. how you know how old she was at that time. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a scene actually where Windegard has a whip and he's trying to get her. And yeah. there's also like, you know, it's a, it's really a really kind of a, a playful version of decadence. In fact, right. one of my favorite lines is, you know, they're depicting these people are wearing like Regency wigs and it's kind of a bacchanal. I mean, once again, they yeah. can't really show anything because it's the Brits and it's 1960s. Um, but at one point, I remember that I think it was either Steed or Emma comment, oh, it's just innocent fun. 
I thought, well, that's cool. They're not passing judgment. They're saying this is cool, except for the fact yeah. these guys have an ulterior motive. But I just think that was really cool that they're right. just like, ah, just a play. It's they're just having fun, and it's a it's a really great episode. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, it, re- it really is. I mean, and you ha- and it is, and Chris is saying too, it's the black and white years, right? It's not the color years yet. Mm-hmm. And the black and white years, I mean, you forget about how how influential her fashions were. She was wearing oh, some yes. stuff that you know that certainly became part of the mainstream fashion culture. But mm-hmm. but the black and white stuff just has a whole different different vibe to it that a, a sexier vibe in some ways you know and a more dangerous vibe but and she's all but you know she's i mean on, on the best of days when she's not trying to be sexy she's pretty damn sexy you know um <laughs> have you ever seen the silent film there's a silent film that she made from oh uh, um yeah called mini killers it's actually a, it's a promotional that? thing yeah it's up on youtube and it's really bizarre it's because it doesn't make a lot of sense and and I actually read a little bit about this. Um, if I remember correctly, they used to have these little televisions set on gas pumps, and they had produced these little short films okay. that would play, you know, can you come up there? And I'm, if anybody out there, and I'm getting this wrong, please yell at us on our website, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. So this was like this weird little silent film that they had created. It's like in three parts, and they're all like about 10 minutes long, I think, or something like yeah. that. But it's very bizarre. I mean, there were some strange things going on around that time anyway, but. <laughs> It's yeah, really that's a, that's a strange little film. You can definitely find it on YouTube, or at least usually you can. Because she just uh, we just recent she recently died. Um, uh, yeah, she and, passed uh, away. So I think um, yeah, I mean I know um, um, Patrick McNee passed away as well. So that's yeah, you know kind of yeah. it's really sad. But they had good good careers and good runs. And I know just, um, just, you know um, Diana Rigg was was knighted. She's da- she you know she was uh, Dame at um, Diana Rigg. Um, and she actually appeared in a couple of recent Doctor Who episodes, or recent. She was in Doctor great. Who was episodes. she in Game of Thrones too? I think she was. She in was Game in Game of, of Thrones, Thrones right? as well. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And her daughter and we, actually is act is an actress. See, what's interesting about it too? When I did the research when she died, I think I wrote I wrote something up from somebody. She mm-hmm. fought for her salary too at a time when no, she, yeah, she was not making the salary she wanted to make, and a crew member was making more or something, and she fought for her salary. Yeah, it was, and even her, even her agent backed up. He's like, I don't want to get involved in this. She was she – really, we talk about feminism, you know? It's really sad because, you know, she was really the star of the show, and she found right. out that I think, like, the cameraman was making more than she was, and she protested, and they wouldn't right. relent, and they switched over to – uh, uh, Thorsten, I can't remember her first name offhand, and it's really unfortunate because she really was. I mean, not not to dismiss Thorsten because she was actually good in, in her own right, and yeah, any Avengers yeah. fan knows that she actually carried some really good episodes. But it was really disappointing that the BBC or it was I think it was ITV or BBC, I can't remember who produced it. Yeah, wouldn't know. relent. It's like you know, come on, this is the person who's making your show. But yeah, it's unfortunate. But but Wait, she still had a wonderful run, and you know, from oh, what I'm, I've read, she had a good time. So that's all that's important. Yeah. But, yeah, I really yeah. love those shows. They're the perfect example of that surreal, groovy '60s aesthetic. And right. my particular love of it was one, she's sexy, but I love the fact that their relationship because they weren't couples, but they were obviously cared about each other a lot, and yeah. they really treated each other as equals, which around that time right. was pretty rare. Right, right. You know, I recently saw too. I saw um, talking about a great '60s sex romp. I saw What's New Pussycat, which is oh, I mean, yes. you know, that movie's just. So out of hand, and I mean, it, it, what's great about all this stuff that you can find all this stuff now on either Netflix or YouTube, or and that's another great movie of just a ton of really sexy girls running in and out, 
kind of half clothed, kind of not, you know, and, and O'Toole, was it O'Toole, right? Just trying to keep it all together. Like, oh, oh yeah. Know, like, I think it was, it was O'Toole. Woody Allen was in it. I can't remember. Yeah, who Woody else, Allen's but, in it. Um, um, yeah, the, that, the, the, the comedies of that 60s and 70s were bizarre. I'm yeah, wonderfully really bizarre. Fun. I mean, everything from Peter Sellers and I Love You, Alice B. Toklas, to Casino yes. Royale, which was a train wreck, but it's a glorious train wreck. <laughs> it's um, wonderful. You know, to, you know, with Dahlia Lavi and, you know, Woody Allen right. playing James Bond. And then you got, like, all these bizarre, you know, strange, yeah. twisted comedies. I love them. I mean, it's like they just yeah. really did things that no one else was doing. I mean, that was, don't get me started, but that was one of my, my favorite periods in cinema. Because me everyone too. was just me kind too. of throwing the rule book out. So you had everything from... The French connection to, you know, uh, seconds to, you know, uh, Clute to, you know, I mean, all these, you know, wonderfully very, very different movies and very and, often and, not yeah. black and white. I mean, they were very ambigu ambiguous around their tone. Just just a lot of great stuff where and that was and that's really all you where you saw stuff. You had to go to the movies to see stuff. You couldn't mm -hmm. you couldn't get it anywhere else. So you'd be waiting. In, I remember like. Um, one of our favorite movies when it came my my buddy's mom or mom and dad went to go see clockwork and i remember asking about because clockwork orange was rated x and i remember mm. asking her i must have been like 13 or 14 and i asked her about like why you know as best as i could finding out why the movie was so controversial or why it was rated x and and she said to me something that stuck with me, and I don't know if she got the movie, but she said it's just disturbing. Everybody kind of acts the same. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I still to this day know what she meant, but I, I don't know if that's not my takeaway of Clockwork. But, you know, a, a movie like that, my God, the controversy that movie engendered. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And It was you banned know, in the uh, UK. Yeah, right, banned in the UK. And, you know, we had things like, you know, you heard about uh, – like even like movies like um, what's the one with Raquel Welch and Rex Reed? Oh, uh, uh, Myra Breckenridge. Myra Breckenridge, which is another talk about a train wreck with like what seventy year old Mae West or however old she is in that. And, uh, mm -hmm. and that's a I don't know if you ever seen that one, guys. That that's a that's one to check out too because that's that's and Rex Reed and it's just it's Rex Reed bizarre I mean bizarre is not the light where it's not really good but it's bizarre but you also had like it's, Dr. Strangelove 2001 you know yeah. it's like you know it was, it was just that the whole period there were just so many fantastic films yeah. and again they just didn't yeah. they didn't play safe some of these films were like really out out there you know oh yeah and that's absolutely. why I love watching them because they really took some serious risks and they didn't have yeah. huge budgets either. So sometimes they're just like, you know, throwing things out there and just, you know, you know, trying to do things. Casavetti's did a lot of work during that time. Yeah. Scorsese right. did a lot of work around that time. Frankenheimer did a lot of work around that time. It's like, you know, yeah. films were not as commercialized, I think, in some ways. Maybe I'm just being Probably ignorant, not. but, you know, because then you, nowadays it's like everything is like, you know, turning into franchise. Don't get me wrong. I love the Marvel movies. I'm a yeah. sucker for Marvel. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you still find it a little bit in independent films, but not quite as much as it was, I think during that time, right. but maybe I'm just being yeah, a crotchety just... old fart. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm always a crotchety old fart. So, you know, um, <laughs> I just, I just love that stuff. This stuff, you know, stuff I go back to time and again, and, uh, there's some deep veins of, uh, really good ideas. Certainly some, some incredibly hot stuff, hot, hot scenes, sexuality that, you know, that, that. In, in ways that has never been presented since, you know, I know they talk about, you know, the series, new series on Netflix or Amazon, how outrageous they are and how sexual they are. And, you know, 
it is of its time. Game of Thrones too was supposed to be a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of naughty stuff and that stuff. But if you watch, and again, it could just be our sensibilities because we're older. But if you watch stuff like uh, even Myra Breckenridge is as much of a train wreck as it is. Um, there is just there is a there's a certain feeling to that to that that naughtiness that's totally different than now, which which mm-hmm. I which has got to be the way that way it makes sense it's going to be that way, but um, and speaks to us you know and there's a nuance to it I guess is what what I'm looking for you know, mm-hmm. but I think it's also because when we were, I mean, you know yep yeah, go ahead I mean it's I think also it's a lot of it is. You know, we talked about this before, again, sounding like the, you know, the two guys sitting on the porch telling kids get off their lawn. But, you know, when we were growing up, sex was something that was very, you know, very kind of like shut off. You were lucky if you found, oh, my God, a nipple or if you found anything explicitly sexual. Nowadays, Mm -hmm. of course, it's very easy. So I think it's kind of changed the framework, how people look at sex and eroticism and so forth. But, yeah, Yeah. I remember like, you know, these things were like the only time you actually saw, oh, my God, bare people. And, you know, without having to go to like, you know, the tiny little strip mall porn shop that you right. don't want to ever think about going in there. So right. that sort of changed things as well. But even other things, I mean, look, this is the era of Harold and Maude for God's sakes. I mean, this yeah, is right. like, you know, can you try to make, make like Harold and Maude these days? It's like, you know, right. I think, you know, people just wouldn't get it. And it's a magnificent film. It's one of my all time favorite right. films, you know? And yeah, I, so I think it's kind of like, it changed a lot. Of course, it's like, I think also that time was a great period of social change. I mean, we're coming out of the 50s, going into the 60s, going into the 70s. So it's like the world was changing, though it has been changing a lot for us now. But it's just, I don't know, it's, it sounds like it, it felt very much like a, a m- more massive wave of change versus mm-hmm. today it seems to come in weird kind of two steps backward, one step forward, kind of a fractured thing. But anyway, yeah. but again, I'm speaking yeah. from ignorance. But yeah, I just, well, I'm, I I'm I such a fan of that period. <laughs> yeah, me too. And you know, we, we it's funny we talk nuance, and that, that I guess that leads us to something you brought up before we get on the show. Something you want to talk about, and th- there's a lot of different ways to skin a horse, you know, and a lot of different ways to present your work. And uh, Chris and I are finding recent. I mean, and this is interesting for erotica, but we're finding um, that a, a good amount of our books are either being published this way or or someone's taking a, an existing book and bringing it out in, in audiobook format. You want to talk a little bit about that? Because we definitely wanted to get a shout out to WordWoos, who's the company that's doing a lot of our mm-hmm. audiobooks. And if you go on uh, soon, I think we're going to have some of that stuff um, available on Licking on Vanilla somewhere, maybe in the YouTube page, some excerpts. But Chris and I both have had this experience. Chris, talk a little bit about the audiobook thing, because I think I think this is pretty interesting. I mean, I find it interesting. I, I, I'm thinking maybe hopefully our listeners, because it's audio, maybe they'll find it interesting. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rob. I mean, you're always so sweet. And um, yeah, it just it came about because one, we've been having our audio, our versions of our books, our erotica books, um, produced by the wonderful folks over at Word Woo's Publishing. And yes. so they primarily they're doing. I think I think they're doing. I don't know if they're doing print, but they're definitely doing now ebooks as well as audiobook productions and i think several mm-hmm. of us have i mean both you and i have you know ebooks as well as audiobooks oh, yeah. with mm-hmm. them but they do an yeah. exceptional job and mm-hmm. i think we both have something like maybe eight or nine or even 10 or 11 different titles up there and we'll I, and once again hopefully we'll have them at the end of the show here so you can see them or at least mm-hmm. listen to them um it's pretty easy to find if you just go to audible and type in either of our names they'll pop right up um mm-hmm. but yeah it's like they do a phenomenal job and i just recently did an anthology a science fiction anthology not erotic just science fiction stories 
uh, called Nine to Eternity, and where the idea was, I had done a previous anthology where I asked a bunch of writers to contribute the story they just simply wanted to write without any kind of framework. And the follow-up one was asking the writers to contribute the story they liked a lot, but didn't get as much attention as they thought it should have. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I've got, like, wonderful stories from Your Sweet Self, as well mm-hmm. as uh, Jean Marie Stein, Ernest Hogan, Emily Devonport, Cynthia Ward, author Byron Cover, and David Lee Summers, and the estate of Jody Scott. So I was really excited when I talked to the, the, the publisher there, and myself, and mm-hmm. I talked to the Word Was publisher, and I said, would you be interested? He, he, went, he said, absolutely, and it's out now. So you yeah. can go to Audible and type in Nine to Eternity and get it, which, frankly, I'm curious to hear because um, it's funny because um, one of my favorite writers in the book, aside from your, your wonderful self, is Ernst Hogan. And Ernst Hogan is a, is a science fiction Chicano writer, so he uses a lot of Mexican and Latin American oh, okay. phrases. And I'd love to see how they how they did the audio version right, of that. Yeah. So I'm very curious about that. But it just but yeah, they do an excellent version. And I think it's really cool because audiobooks for the longest time were pretty damn rare. I mean, I still remember when they used to come in like cassettes and you had to buy this yeah. binder oh, yeah, and they absolutely. cost a fortune. Yeah. And yeah. you know, you can still find, sometimes on YouTube you can find people who uploaded those and it's so funny to listen to them. Like I was listening to something the other day, I can't remember what it was, and right in the about every 10 minutes a voice comes on. Turn tape over, you know. It's like, it's it's it's, it's translated from those old cassette days. Yeah, but, no kidding. Yeah, I no mean, kidding. audiobooks are so great, and they're really like going like hotcakes. I mean, you know, yeah. they're they're really popular these days. Yeah, and it's wonderful. Before we go any further, let me just say you've reached licking non vanilla, and uh, this is our podcast. My name is Ralph Greco Jr., <laughs> and that's M. Christian over there. You can't see him, but I'm saying he's over there, and we're the co-hosts here, licking non vanilla. <laughs> And you can find us on the various different platforms and go to our website, which is uh, LickingNonVanilla.com. I know it's very creative how we came up with that name. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking about as, out of all the genres to be uh, presented in audiobook, I would say erotica has got to be one of those that is just going to be pretty damn interesting as far as the person you get to read the book, um, then the way it's presented because erotica is, is not, and I'm not saying this because we write, we write erotica and we're so wonderful. Uh, although we are, um, I'm saying this because I'm thinking out of all the genres that you're going to make into an audiobook, that seems to be one that's going to take a little bit of a different kind of, you know, maybe a little bit more of a, a learning curve to get there, you know, and I could be wrong. Cause I, to tell you the truth, I think I've heard some snippets of my stuff written, writ, read, um, and of all different types of stuff. But it, it's certainly a different way of looking at things. I mean, erotic audiobooks, you know. Um, and, you know, because we're in the business here of doing a podcast that has a, a sexual element to it, erotic element to it. It is certainly a world we're interested in. I just, I just, I, I guess you got to find the right actor and actress and all that kind of stuff, you know. I, I agree with you 100 percent because it's like it's one of those weird things that I mean I feel weird reading my stories in public, which I don't like doing anyway. But um, yeah. you know, when, when you're talking about something like that, especially if you're reading a story that's from, for instance, a female-identified person's point of view, and you're obviously right, you know, right. don't sound like that. 
Um, you know, right. and or one thing I've also found is some books translate better than others. I, I remember listening to some science fiction author who has work I like as an audiobook, and it didn't work very well because his writing was very visual. In other words, the way he mm -hmm. constructs the paragraphs as such is like, you know, we mentioned before, one of our favorite writers is Alfie Bester. Alfie Bester mm -hmm. is really hard to translate as an audiobook because he's a very visual writer. He likes this kind of like mm -hmm. playfulness with topography, like. You know, like, how would you translate the telepathic conversations in Demolished Man into an audiobook? It's impossible yeah. because they're written in this kind of like crisscross matter in the middle of the book. So erotica can sometimes be like that, where, you know, it's like trying to translate something that is designed to be read versus listened to. So, you yeah. know, I've always kind of, you know, thought it'd be kind of fun one of these days to experiment and try and create something designed to be read as opposed to, you know, that's been changed from a text to reading, especially around erotica. But yeah, I think it's really quite cool. And you're right. It's like, it is kind of tricky to read too, because it's like, you have different characters, you have different voices. And I have to say the guys, once again, over at Wordwoods do an incredible job. They're really you know, yeah, excellent they at it. Um, yeah, they and really so do. they're not just like, I mean, no insult to Livervox, which is this nonprofit, you know, group that reads public domain works and they take turns. Um, mm -hmm. This is one person reading the entire work. And so it really has a kind of nice, nice little kind of homogeneous feel to it. So you don't have suddenly a, mm -hmm. a voice jumps out of nowhere who's a totally different person. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really quite fascinating. I have to say that I think a lot of times they, they I know I listened to it a lot when I was working. I was working as a, mm -hmm. um, a stalker at night. So I just put my earphones in yeah. and get audible fired up. Uh, people listen to them when they're driving. They're good for meditation, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So um, and I also know that's one of those things that you can do on the QT, which again, that's why erotica took off so much is because of ebook readers, you know, mm -hmm. people didn't have to go out to their local porn store or sit there on public transportation with a book that says loves torrid, you know, you know, yeah, fill right. in the blank, the erotic title right. with one of those cheesy, you know, very low res. I mean, um, you know, really kind of grotesque, you know, porn images on the cover. They could sit there right. with a Kindle and read whatever they want. Same thing with audiobook, right. audiobooks. Right. So I think that's why they've sort of taken off. But it's really quite cool. And I have to say, once again, these guys do a fantastic job. Yeah, it's it's just fun. You know, it, for us, I mean, any way we can get our stuff heard, read, seen, in any attention to it is wonderful. You know, um, and and that and I think that's true for anybody at any level. You know, I don't I don't care if you're. Uh, your Bruce Springsteen put out a new album. I mean, he he recently did something at, at Apple Plus or Apple TV about about making his new album. So like, you know, we're, we're, everybody is always trying a way to get heard and seen and recognized. And uh, if it falls in line with what you want to do, because when I when we were approached, uh, Jim approached me because I we had a book. I had a book with Gene Marie, uh, who Gene Marie Stein is. Um, e Renaissance, Renaissance ebooks, and I have a lot of books with her. So as, as does Chris, and Chris was is the acquisition editor over there still, I think. And um, but Jim came to me and said, you know, would it be all right to take one of these books and make it into an audio book? And I said, we're well, going to have to ask Jimmy. I mean, it's, it's, I can't answer that question. But uh, and she was all for it because Jimmy's wonderful and she's all for us getting as far far and wide as we can. But anyway. And, and the first time I, I – so I never even thought about it because I, like you were just saying, I have written specifically for audio, like um, a radio play, for instance. The call goes out for that. I, I get I, a play either I've written or something will fit for that or whatever or I write for it. So I've done that. But nothing – I've never been – it's never been converted like that the way Jim wanted it converted to word was. And uh, it was interesting to hear it for the first time. I, it was a whole different way of doing things, you know. And uh, so I'm, I'm happy we did it. I, and I – 
uh, you know, for the most part, I'm down for whatever wants to be what anybody wants to do to our stuff because it's just another way of getting heard and seen and you know, like this podcast, another example, which we're, we're trying to keep everything. I guess the word is synergistic, right? Everything kinds together in a way that it all feeds something else. And at the end of the day, we want to make our living from what we do. So this is just another way of bolstering interest or getting our ideas out there or building an audience, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I want to give you a big round of applause because you've been putting up some wonderful content on the uh, Looking Non Vanilla blog. And it's like doing an exceptional job. But that's, that's really important, I think. That's something I think a lot of creative people forget. It's like, yeah, you may want to do fill in the blank screenwriting, but mm -hmm. you know, if you just focus on one medium, if you focus on one only thing, you know, there's all kinds of other things you could be doing that mm -hmm. you know would enhance your, you know, your visibility and therefore maybe help get gigs and such. So, like you do mm -hmm. one act plays, you've done, you know, like you said, radio shows or radio performances. You've also done comic books and God knows what else. Yeah. I mean, you're incredibly diverse, Ralphie. I mean, I've done a little bit of that, but not nowhere near the extent that how much you put yourself out there with those things, which I think right. is ultra cool. I mean, I've tried my hand at like stage writing, and I think I gave up after like the first page. Um, you know, but <laughs> yeah. it's still it's like you know, if you're if you're a creative person, you know, don't just think about one thing. I mean, there's all kinds of things. If you're a writer, you can do podcasts and audiobooks and you know, yeah. comics and you know, nonfiction. And if you're a musician, you can do all kinds of things as well. Same thing with filmmakers. You know, it's just it's just that you kind of have to think outside the box a little bit when it comes to, you know, yeah. sort of like, you know, getting your word out there. And it's fun. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, when you suddenly realize, hey, I'm actually pretty good with this or this is actually enjoyable to yeah. do, then go for it. You know, because yeah. sometimes if you do the same thing over and over again, even if you're really into it, it gets to be kind of a drag after a point. Um, so, yeah, kind of, you know, sure. liven things up. It's it's really quite fun. Yeah. And, and, and you know, we. I certainly don't know every avenue that's open to me. I don't, you know, uh, there's a, there's so many different ways to do. It. And, you know, you could also say no to something comes along and it's not your thing. You say, look, you know, that's a great opportunity, but I'm just not all that interested for whatever reason, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but, but there's just a lot of ways to do things these days. And, uh, you know, and we're, and look, unless you are Bruce Springsteen, most people are not in a position to really I mean, you could say no. I'm not saying that, but most people are not in a position to to um, to dismiss some sort of pop, pop um, some sort of attention. Not, and most people, you know, I mean, you and I have had those occasions where we have been invited to do something and we've demurred because of whatever reason. But generally speaking, we kind of listen to anything that comes around down the pike. And there's been there's we were just talking about something before we went on the air with our, our producer and uh, and everybody say happy birthday to him today because it's his birthday. Um, happy birthday, Mark. <laughs> happy birthday. Anyway, um, but, you know, we were just talking about another opportunity we have to take some of the posts we have that I the post we were talking about the blogs and po post them with somebody else and who will give us, you know, a hit back to our, our site. But. We, you and I went back and forth about it the last couple of days to see what the situation was and suss it out and find out. And not every situation works, and this happened to work okay. So we're like, all right, well, we're amiable to it. Let's see if this we could open this up. So I think that's kind of what it comes down to because um, I certainly – and there's some things because of whatever circumstance, my age or my prejudices um, that I just don't do because I just – you know, for whatever it is. But – I think that's that's a case for all creative people who are trying to make a living at their creativity. 
you, as we always say, you don't burn a bridge. Well, the other thing you don't do is you don't, you don't unilaterally say no. Let it come across your transom, look at it, maybe call your buddy Chris and ask him what he thinks. But I mean, generally, you know, <laughs> you know, figure it out and see if it works for you, you know? Um, so we, we, we like to like send that message out. If you're doing something in the creative field and maybe you're not getting the traction you want or you're just doing it one way, there are, there are a lot of different ways and, and consider this stuff, you know? For, Absolutely. For I mean, it's like, it can be a drag because, you know, you, you both of us and like a lot of people who are professional, you know, creative people know this one. It's like you get these things on a fairly irregular, regular basis. Someone says, hey, would you want to do this or something similar? And, you know, 99% of the time it doesn't work out or it's not paying. They just want, you know, oh, you know, it's like, we'll give you exposure. It's like, yeah, that and a dollar will get me, you know, nothing. Yeah. Um, but, right. you know, but at the same time, you can't really slam the door in their faces because who knows where it could lead. Because even though they may not be able to work with you, maybe they know somebody else. And because you had a good, yeah. you know, you didn't part with a negative way, like you like to say, and I think it's important to wonderful. And we both say this is never burn a bridge unless you absolutely have to. Because who yeah. knows? I mean, sometimes people say, you know, sit around and say, yeah, I'm looking for content. Well, yeah, that guy, Ralphie, was a great guy. We didn't right. work out together, but try him. It's like you'll be exactly. surprised how many times that happens. And Absolutely. But also it's like I think it's always a good idea to stretch yourself because you never know what you're good at. I mean, I never set out to be an erotica writer. It's just because I tried to be a writer and nothing sold. And then I got mm -hmm. this opportunity to write erotica and it's sold and now I'm an erotica writer. The same way with anything. Right. I mean – I mean, yeah. if like if you have an opportunity to write westerns, give it a shot. If you have a chance to write, you know, anything for that matter. If you're a musician and someone says, "Write me a commercial jingle," it's like, well, give it a shot. I mean, the worst that happens yeah. is it doesn't work, and you know you're not right. good at it, or it's something you don't like to do. But you'd be surprised how many times it's like you you, you sort of like wake up and go, you know, I'm actually a pretty good jingle writer, you know, or this was actually mm -hmm. a lot of fun, or you know, something like that. So it's always a good idea to stretch yourself. I mean, that's why. I wouldn't say annoyed, but sometimes, you know, I know when we teach our writing classes, it's like, you know, people only want to be able to do one thing. It's like, well, yeah. it's fine and dandy, especially if you're doing erotica, like they only want to write one kind of sex scene. Well, it's fine and dandy and go more power to you. But if you're thinking about becoming a professional, diversification is the key because you, you can't sell the same kind of story over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn to sort of expand your horizons, try, you know, everything from BDSM to age play to you know, you know, GLBT fiction or something similar. Just, you know, get out there and stretch your wings because who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, you know, it's just what, yeah. I mean, certainly from, I think, probably the older you get too, you realize there's just so many different ways of doing things, you know, and especially nowadays. Mm -hmm. And everybody's doing stuff on this this thing we call the net, you know, and, and a whole bunch of different ways, you know, and um, and and then erotica writers, we've seen this in the classes, they get they tend to get tripped up for multiple reasons. One is like they see the success of say a uh, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, and they're like, well, this is what I want to do, I'm going to do it this way, and you know that's how that happens. And and I'm like, well, that, that's an anomaly. Things don't happen usually in that way, you know. Um, that whole story. Is, is a very unusual story in the way that even happened. So, and how that grabbed the zeitgeist. I mean, people who, when that happened, people who are not even erotica writers jumped in the bandwagon. This is the way it always is, you know. Jump, you know, jump on something popular. Like, well, I could do that, you know. And I'm like, well, it's possible you could, but, you know, that, that's, a, that's a rare case. You know, most of this stuff that we talk about, whether it's, you know, um, getting, getting proficient at playing the drums or, you know, uh, being a great, 
a great painter or a writer. Most of this stuff takes a, a lot of time and a lot of work. And, um, you know, and, and keeping your eyes and ears open to all different opportunities and all different ways of doing things. So we, I guess the, the shout out to all the creative people is, you know, keep your options open. Um, and exactly, you know, and, and, um, if you're looking for great writers, well, you got them here. That's no problem, but you don't have to go much further than right here. But, but even Chris and I say it constantly, we say it once, we say it down to, we're just hacks, man. We're just, that's all we are. Mm -hmm. You can hire us and, and we'll write for you. And we're, that's kind of what we do. That's, uh, you know, put, put, put the pencil on our back and we have pencil, we'll travel, you know? But, exactly. We're literary uh, streetwalkers. That's us. You know, it's absolutely. Like, you, know, we'll, you know, we'll do anything or we'll do anything for a dollar or write anything for a dollar. Right. Um, word word yeah, prostitutes. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, exactly. We're word prostitutes. That's us. It's like, yep. uh, you know, it's like, we're out of yeah. something that's like, okay, you know, like the first reaction isn't you or I'm not interested. It's like, okay, how many words? When do you want it? And how much I'm getting paid? Right. You and know, it's just pay, like, yeah. you know, it just, I just, I just, I, I kind of love that. I was kind of, you know, I don't know about you, but I kind of see myself as like, uh, as a uh, Gillis in Sunset Boulevard has that kind of oh, attitude absolutely. of being like, you know, you know, I kind of, I kind of always liked that. I mean, I think, I think, um, you know, Bill Holden's my spirit animal sometimes because I kind of feel yeah. like, you know, that kind of character is that's like, you know, it's like, oh no, I'm not doing high art. It's just like, yeah, what do you want? When do you want it? And, you know, okay, right. no problem. It's like, you know, but you know, but I agree with you once again, you know, tremendously so because it's like, you know, it's, it's like, you, you know, you need to like stretch yourself. You need to reach out in different plays. You need to do all kinds of stuff, but also understand the reality of it. That's the thing that if I could sort of like, I know we're kind of wandering a bit here, but you know, just mm -hmm. sort of like tell people who want to be writers, particularly, it's like, there's still so much misinformation out there and so many, you know, people who are just like, don't quite understand the mechanisms behind it. It's really mm -hmm. quite, you know, it's, it, it's something that, you know, there's there's writing for fun, which hopefully you do no matter what you're writing. I yeah. mean, you know, I can't speak for you directly, Ralphie, but I know no matter what I'm writing, I have a certain degree of enjoyment involved. Um, you know, because if yeah. you don't do it for, you know, if you do it just for money, it's going to burn you out in no time flat. But you also have to understand how the thing, how the system actually works and the very basic mm -hmm. level. That's something we do in our classes, which hopefully we'll be able to do, you know, a video class. You know, it's for, funny you just, you were just saying that because as you're speaking here, I'm thinking how much fun we've had at the kink, kink kink conventions but where are i would say out of all the classes we've ever taught and then i'm getting right in the middle of your train of thought i sorry to derail your train of thought um i would say i would say we have the most fun in the writing classes right i mean we we do chris has a great great way of uh of uh teaching a tit torture class because you know as one would and we have done we've done impact play and spanking classes and you know a whole bunch of really interesting things and um but out of all of the stuff we've ever taught i would say the writing classes have been we've had the most fun I, I, absolutely the most fun in the writing classes because people are just just dying for information and it's so much fun to interact there and talk and just answer questions you know so I'm sorry, I got in the middle of that because Chris said something about the classes. Oh, no, no, like, no, no, I want to get back fine, to these Robin. king conventions. These these king conventions are so much fun, you know. I do. I agree. I miss them so much. I mean, it's like it, just because one, it's got a chance to get you know together with my best bud and you know see the cities mm -hmm. and just hang out and such. But you're right. It's like teaching the classes is always a kick, especially the writing classes because it's just so much fun. I mean, I don't know about you, but you know when I was like, when I was trying to start as a writer, I had so many writing classes and they all sucked because they usually mm -hmm. were taught by 
you know, people who, you know, didn't know or weren't professional writers or they were, you know, right. kind of like dissect the frog thing where they take the story apart till it's dead. So, you right. know, I like to think we sort of give a very kind of grounded, you know, you know, approach to writing, you know, what, what yeah. it is that's wonderful and fun and may make you a little bit of money. And but it also puts your whatever genitals you happen to be equipped to have in a meat grinder because it's not right, for, right. not it's not something you can't do unless you're prepared for that. <laughs> yeah, I, it's true. I mean, and, and this show, too, this show is another way of reaching out, you know, whether it's about writing, whether it's about, you know, um, you know, how much cock to take in your face, you know, I mean, whatever it happens to be, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, you know, uh, the, the great, the great, the great uh, byways of Belgium or, you know, or, you know, ha whatever happens to be. Um, we, we would like to keep it interesting here and fun. And uh, we're going to in, in keeping in keeping with that, we're going to get some more new guests on now that we're mm -hmm. well into the new year and uh, we're, we're going to keep delivering here. So we're going to wrap it up, I think, um, here at Licking Non-Vanilla. Thank you for listening. Go to the website. Go to our pages, our various pages to hear the show. Please comment because we know you're out there. We just don't – we haven't heard from anybody. We want to hear from people and uh, want to know what you're thinking and what you want to hear and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I have been and will always be Ralph Greco jr uh from the wilds of uh looks like it stopped snowing well no it's still snowing in in new jersey and across the aisle from me but not that far across my heart is uh chris otherwise known as m christian and i think the sun's out so just to rub it in so he's doing good yeah, right, there you go. Thanks, we have sunshine thank you all right well kids we had a really good time uh we'll talk to you next time and thank you for listening to licking non-vanilla and visit us on the web at www.lickingnonvanilla.com.